Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 257 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and I'm here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we're excited. This Today's topic kind of fell into our laps very serendipitously. Very little work for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're just surviving, just like all of you out there. We yeah. are just surviving sometimes. Um, last week and the week before, we did listener questions. And the very last listener question in last week's episode was from a listener named Jerry Lee, and it was about mom milestones, meaning the moments in our own motherhood that have felt like milestones as opposed to kid milestones, um, like crawling and walking and talking and all of that. And it was really fun, and we did a few of them, and then we've had an insatiable demand for more. I loved it because while we were doing it, like while we were in the middle of talking about it, and they were really fun things that I, I was grateful to get to kind of like look back on because it's not always the kind of things you think to sit and think about. But like, I remembered how I learned to nurse on both sides without rolling over or like when I learned how to dodge spit up, like just because I felt the baby's <laughs> yeah. tummy flip over. And that was so fun. And I think we even said during like while we were answering the questions, like this totally needs to be a whole episode. Yeah. Yes. And you all agreed. Yeah. I talked about being done pumping at work and what a milestone that felt like. I talked about the first time I got school picture proofs sent home from preschool. So there's all these moments that feel like, um, well, let's talk about this a little bit. What, what to you defines a mom milestone? Like, what does it feel like now we're most of this is in hindsight. So when you look back, what, what defines a mom milestone for you? Well, there's definitely some emotional charge to, to something. So it sometimes can be like a kid's milestone, um, or something we helped them do, but it feels more like leveling, like leveling up. Like yeah. I just, I like just won, you know, a hundred points. Um, and now I'm moving up to the next mom level. And yeah. sometimes it's like something that I can take kind of some credit for, like something I have a moment of pride in, but sometimes like, especially as my kids are getting older, it's becoming things that are happening to me, like mm -hmm. external stuff that just indicates my life is mo like moving forward, moving on to the next thing. And I don't always have as much to do with it. I yes. feel like. Um, now it just is kind of happening to me and quickly. So that's kind of cool too. And I think there is, I would agree with all of that. And I love the the concept of leveling up. I feel like we need a video game noise, like cha-ching, like you are now, <laughs> yeah. you are now at level two. Um, for me, I agree. It feels like something that I accomplished. It might've been something that was hard for a while. And all of a sudden I realize it's not hard anymore. We've talked about that a lot mm, on this show yep. where you're like, oh my gosh, this used to be such a pain. And now it's easy. Something has clicked for me. Um, an accomplishment. It can also be a couple of mine have to do almost with an identity shift. And I think when I talked last week about the preschool school pictures coming home, I'd had a preschooler for several months at that point, but there was something that felt like an identity shift to a new phase. Like I am now the mom of a school kid. And I, 
I have school relationships and teacher relationships. And it felt Mm. like a little imperceptible identity shift. So I, that's another thing that some of mine feel like as well, but I totally agree with you. It's, um, there's a, like a little bit of pride or like a little patting yourself on the back for some of these. You know, it occurs to me when I'm thinking about this, that when I had really little kids and babies and toddlers, um, I think I was more on the lookout for these milestones because I needed that. Like I needed a win mm-hmm. or I needed something that indicated that I was progressing or that things were moving along. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're in that sort of like the, the, uh, what is it? Hours are long, but the years are shorter. Yeah. <laughs> days are <laughs> long, but the year, no yes. way. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, days are long, but the years are short, I think is what it is. Yeah. But either way, like when you're, when you're in one of those days where it's just like stretching out in front of you, you kind of need lots of little wins and I think I was just kind of on the lookout for those little moments. And now I feel like they're farther, they're fewer and farther between, but they feel big when they happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah, it, it's a little bit different now. Um, it's just a little bit different the way that I perceive them and even notice yeah. the mom milestones. Yeah. Now. And if we're talking about motherhood identity, you've now had an identity as a mom and you've even had an identity as a mom of big kids for many, many years. So it would make sense that it doesn't feel so foundational maybe. And you might have to right. look a little harder. Um, yeah. I had as much fun coming up with the ones for older kids as I did for, you know, babies. And we're going to, we're going to do both. We'll start with kind of the way back and the, the new mom, new baby stuff. And then we'll kind of move on up chronologically. But I feel like I am in the midst with, you know, seven, nine and 11 soon to be seven, 10 and 12. Like I am definitely still having mom milestones as we as we speak. So I think the big kid ones are, are fun to talk about too. So, okay, Megan, well, over here at the mom hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, our place. In fact, you, me and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. 
She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. All right. Well, we're going to go back and forth here, roughly starting with babies through arbitrarily like five or six years old, like the first. Yeah. Up through, you know, the school years. Um, And so why don't you go first, Megan? What's your first mom milestone? Sure. Um, So, I mean, I think probably everyone has a milestone in their minds that have something to do with feeding or many that have to do with feeding. And one that I remember really clearly is the first time I was able to pump several ounces of milk at a time. So like a real load, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Jacob was really slow to get going with breastfeeding. So I pumped quite a bit in the first few weeks, but looking back now, like I had a really crappy pump. Um, it was not easy to find good pumps in those days. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were commercially available. Like you couldn't just run out to target and buy a good pump. You could buy like a battery operated ones, but they were the ones that kind of hurt and didn't really work that well. And I had an old style manual one from like way back (laughs) in the day and you had to position it perfectly to get, otherwise it would just like squish your nipple, like against the side. I'm, I'm having like, phantom pains right now. Just Do you know what I'm talking here. about? Like yes. the two pieces of plastic yes. that I actually was able to get that one to work pretty well once I got the hang of it. Um, it was much better than the like low quality battery operated one. But anyway, it was quite a, it was quite an ordeal. And then your, you know, your body has to get used to it and it has to respond to it. And that's hard. And I remember just like how hard it was and how much I struggled for like two weeks. And then I was finally able to pump like what looked like a whole solid feeding all at once. And it felt like I had like won a race, hit the lottery. I mean, like all the, like that feeling of satisfaction and like, I'm not going to starve my baby. I can do this. That was big and has never, I can remember the bed. I can remember the quilt on my bed. Oh, I love that. For our new listeners, remind everybody how long ago we're talking for those pumping. 22 years. Yeah, that's crazy. 22. So my oldest is turning 12 this month. And I kind of feel like when I was registering for stuff that the the Medela pumping style in the black bag with all the parts, it was still big and bulky, but I do feel like the good quality ones had hit the mass market and they were expensive. They were, you know, for me, it was the most expensive thing probably I put on my registry, but they at least were widely available. So I wonder kind of when that, Sometime in that decade between 22 years ago and 12 years ago, you know, things got more available. But well, and I think it was also that I you, Internet shopping wasn't really a thing right. 22 years ago. I mean, there were things you could buy online, but it was not nothing like now. And um, for me to have gotten my hands on one, it might have been three or four hundred bucks. And you had to wait until you got a prescription to have oh, your yeah. insurance cover it. I yeah. do remember that. So there was no really preparing and having it ahead of time. And yeah. I don't know that I would have even known like what to do to get my hands on one. I just, it wasn't on my radar at all. And I feel like that's a big difference um, now is that I just feel like the culture is that people know about their options when it comes to pumping and how to get, I do remember reading like um, maybe it was what to expect or one of those books. And it was saying something about getting your hands on a medical, like a hospital grade Uh breast pump. And I thought, well, how, 
how would I do that? Yeah. And then I was like, and it's also like midnight and I'm desperate. And I run to Target or Walmart or yeah. whatever and end up with this like, you know, not nearly as good one. So yeah, yeah it's things have changed a lot. Yeah. I love that one. What about you? Okay. So my first one is the first time I met and made my own mom friend, like a friend. And mm. I define that as someone I didn't know before I had a baby, someone I met because I had a baby and someone with whom I developed a friendship pretty much only because we had babies the same age at first. Um, and so it's kind of a cute story. I went to a class called Stroller Strides, which is now called Fit for Mom, but they've been around in, in cities all over forever. Um, and so you probably have Fit for Mom in your area, wherever you're listening from. And it's a great program, but it's exercise classes for moms and babies in the stroller. And because this was Phoenix in the summer, I had my baby at the end of April. But by the time I was out and about, it was already too hot to be outside. So they would do stroller strides in the mall, in, indoor in the morning. So you'd go like walk up and down the mall with your stroller and your baby. And so I met my friend Stacy and our babies were like a month apart and we like walked and talked, you know, they, they lead you through different cardio. And have you ever been to one of those classes, Megan? No, never. Mm -mm. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I just, I've never done one. Yeah. It's a great workout. Well, turns out I really didn't want to work out. Some things never <laughs> change. I had no interest in working out. I did have an interest in making friends. And it's funny because I'd had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about like needing mom friends, like you, you kind of would hear about like, you got to have your tribe and you've got to like, you know, go to a baby group. And for the first like eight weeks, I was like, why? Like, why do I need new friends just because I have a baby? I was planning on going back to work. I had work friends. We had friends. And then of course, like eight weeks in, I was like, okay, like it might be helpful to just be able to talk to people who really right. are living in this world, you know? And so Stacy and I walked the mall together and then I decided like a week later, it was like a week later, I decided to go to the free group at the hospital, which was also like a new mom's group. Cause again, I don't really care about the exercise, but I was starting to want to get out and meet other moms. And as I'm walking into the hospital, there's Stacy, the girl I had just talked to for an hour at stroller strides. And we just happened to be walking in at the same time. And it was the first time. No, I think it was the second time she'd been to that group. So we were like, we were just in parallel, both like trying out the things for local moms. And I can happily say that Stacy's still a really good friend of mine. We're doing virtual happy hour tonight with all my Arizona new mom friends. Um, I mean, we were new moms. We are now not new moms, but I love that. zoom happy hour tonight. Um, and so I think that felt like a milestone because it required a little bit of a shift in my thinking. Uh, cause I had, again, I, I wasn't like, I didn't think I wanted or needed that for the first couple months. And then all of a sudden, like I did keep going to that group at the hospital. I met you know, six or seven more mom friends and we're all still friends to this day. And it felt like, okay, I get it. And I'm one, I am one of those moms now. Like I'm one of those moms right. who has a baby group and I didn't think I would be. And yet of course, and I've talked about it on this show that it was hugely valuable. So yeah, that was first mom friend. I love that. And it, what made me think of is when, when Jacob was a baby, I lived near my sister. So she was my mom friend. Right. Um, and then right after Isaac was born, we moved to Minneapolis and then I was very lonely and I joined like a mom's group. I think it was maybe a Yahoo group actually that then um, organized play dates okay. and ended up hanging out with this woman named Kelly who married my brother. Oh yeah. I and knew they that have you... four. Yeah. So she was my first real mom friend away from, you know, that wasn't family. And so then she married my brother. They have four kids so I got myself like from a mom's group, I got myself a sister-in-law and I got my kids some cousins. That's amazing. And I got my brother a wife. 
So I did know. And then, of course, your your other brother is married to your high school best friend. And I think listeners right. know that story a little bit better. But I don't think I mean, I think I just had vaguely heard about um, that your old that your oldest brother also his wife was through you. That's funny. Yep. Yep. And it's kind of cool because like it keeps me kind of attached to that part of my life. We only lived in Minnesota. I don't know, a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. But now like and I go we go visit every now and then. Yeah. But if if my brother Buck had not married Kelly, he would not still be in Minneapolis. So I'm sure like I'm yeah. positive he would have moved away. Um, but that's really because all of his family is in Michigan. So, yeah, yeah I just think it's kind of a fun little, fun that little part awesome. of that story. All right. You're up. Um, OK, so I'll go next. Um, I have this very distinct memory of sitting in a restaurant. And I know that Jacob was big enough that I like, had him on my knee with my arm around his tummy. So he must have been, you know, old enough to at least hold his head up if, yeah. if I was holding him sitting. So maybe four or five months old. Um, and he, well, maybe even a little bit younger, might've been three, four months. He had insane neck strength from a very <laughs> early age. So I think it was a little younger. Um, but anyway, he dropped his pacifier and I reached down with the other hand without really looking like dunked it in my water glass, flicked a piece of lint off of it, dabbed it on my napkin and handed it back to Jacob. Didn't like, didn't um, break conversation, yeah. just kept going. And I remember my mother-in-law commenting something about how relaxed I seemed. And I was like, oh, like I have now achieved yes. chill mom status um, where I was able to manage several things at once and not freak out about germs or whatever. And I love so that. I will say, I think the chill mom status just stayed then like yeah. after it, yeah, then it just kind of never really went away. Um, in that way, like about germs and stuff. Like, yeah. I think at that point I was just tired of work. I was tired of thinking about germs all the time. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be done with that. Well, and, and you so, probably, yeah. you must have had a little practice. I mean, even though he was really little, you must have just logged enough times of being out in the world with him. And then yeah. just, it started well, to feel natural. And I think I had the benefit also of having, uh, having grown up, my mom had a daycare when I was growing up and then my sister had little kids. So like, I think I had just been exposed to enough little kids to see how kind of they're crawling through this disgusting world. Mm -hmm. And mostly they're doing just fine with it. And like, he felt a little sturdier. Like it was also yeah. like, he was starting to feel less like a floppy newborn and yeah. more like a kid that I could just kind of, I don't know, toss around and yeah. stuff. And so like all those things kind of culminated in like, I don't have to be quite as on guard anymore. And now I remember what it looks like to have a bigger baby yeah. and like how you can kind of relax. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. I love it. Um, well, the next one I thought of was the first time we had a babysitter that was outside the family for the evening. And um, in our case, Allegra was about, she was one, one and change. I don't remember if she was a year and a half, like over one and less than two. And we had gotten by cause at, the time in Arizona, my brother lived in town and my parents lived in town. So the handful of date nights or whatever hadn't been very many, but we'd gotten by with grandparents or an uncle either coming over to the house or we'd take her to the house. So it had been a whole year and we decided like we need to get a real babysitter. And it was the daughter of a coworker and she was really young, young, young for teenage babysitters. I want to say right. she was a freshman in high school, maybe like a, like a young 14 maybe even an older 13. She was super responsible and we knew her family. Well, I wasn't worried about that. But looking back, the thing that the 13 and 14 year olds don't have is a lot of skills 
um, like representing themselves and advocating for yes. themselves with grownups. Yep. And we, we've done a whole episode about sitters and caregivers, but yeah. just how awkward like the money conversations are and yep. the, like, the small They'll, talk. They'll like take whatever you give them. Yeah, the small talk <laughs> is awkward yeah. and you're like a nervous new parent. So all I remember is it not being very enjoyable, like just the whole planning of it and getting her over. And of course she got b- dropped off by her mom. And then also a one-year-old is kind of hard to babysit for. They can't talk yet, but they're, they don't sleep as much. And so I just remember like walking her through the entire bedtime routine. And I want to say it's not before texting, but she might not have been, she might not have like been able to text us. Like I'm, I can't remember how the, how she would have contacted us, but I felt very nervous, not nervous. Like the baby was going to, you know, something horrible was going to happen, but just the whole thing felt awkward. And like, like I'm going to need a lot more practice at this. And the funny thing is we never really got good at having teenage babysitters for years and years. And I've talked about that. We just had a string of like a string of new ones and none of them were bad, but it always felt like we were starting over. It always felt like I had to explain the whole routine. And finally, like with the third baby, we just gave up for a while and didn't go anywhere. And then we moved here and then we got so lucky. And and my kids, the older kids were older and they could talk. It's just hard hiring that kind of sitters. It was always hard for me. So that was the first time. Yeah, it, it is hard. Yeah, that there's lots of reasons for that. And the awkwardness you describe is yeah. one of them. And I think that's probably why I never wound up with a sitter like that, like with a younger yeah. sitter, because I just didn't, I just didn't, I just waited till my oldest was old enough. Yeah. Be the sitter. Yeah. Um, and you had family okay. and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I had family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one I remember, and it doesn't, well, this is kind of like a, a multi-age range. So we've got at the younger end, we've got little ones, but then when at the older end, we've got bigger ones. But right. when you've got five kids, that just yeah. happens. So I remember very clearly the time I took all four boys to the playground by myself. So it would have been Owen and Will in a double stroller. Okay. And I kind of remember like when I got the double stroller. I mean, Owen was still a baby. Again, maybe a baby who was like sort of being able to be supported. But I remember the stroller I bought, like having to figure out which of the two seats was the right one for Owen mm-hmm. to be in and like kind of having to put blankets around him to support him, like to, so he could sit up better in it because the leg holes were a little bit big. And then I had Will, I think, behind. And then Jacob and Isaac would have been six and eight. So they would have been like Clara or I'm sorry, Clara wasn't born yet. Would have been Owen was like a baby, maybe six months old. Will would have been around two. And then the other two would have been six and eight. And I remember walking like, first of all, in those days, especially if you didn't have a big budget to work with, double strollers were just a monstrosity yeah. and so heavy, like a million pounds. And it was really long and awkward. Yeah, mine um, was And I remember too. I had, yeah, I remember I had gotten the long one, not the side by side because with the two other kids... I thought I'd be running their ankles over all the time. <laughs> or, the, or you'd be like four across, up, like four abreast. Right, or four across, or we'd be taking up the entire sidewalk already. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, like the, you know, tandem. two in front, yeah. but, but the, the tandem, thank you. But then like you get stuck trying to go through doors. Yeah. And so, and I remember having the boys on either side and like thinking back, like, and I would always make them put one hand on the stroller. Um, and just thinking back now, like, how many mental processes were going on at one time for me to do this. So I have, I'm doing that thing where you know that if the stroller starts to go crooked, like you're going to have to stop and like pop the front wheels to get it back Uh on track. Like, uh you know what I mean? Uh So there's that mental thing and then working really hard to keep it steady. And then you have these two kids who are walkers and big, you know, big enough, maybe not to like do something really dumb and bolt, but like also kind of clueless enough to stumble in front of the stroller and get run over or, you know what I mean? Like the, (laughs) So many ways that that could go wrong. And so we were just 
like, I just, I felt like it was a marathon again. And I finally got there and then, you know, they played for however long while I recovered. And then we put them all back in their, um, formation and went home. And that was like such a blip in time because I never had to repeat that moment when Clara was born. Yeah. Because by that point, everyone was so much older. I never even used a real stroller for her. We had like a nice umbrella stroller. Everyone took turns pushing it. Jake and Isaac were so big by the time she was born. I didn't even have to watch them if they even went to the park, you know? So like everything changed between kids four and five, mostly because the older ones just got older. Yeah. But there was just this moment of time, like leaving the house with all of them was such a huge show. I feel like dog and pony show. I feel like getting to the playground and then I guess because of the spacing, the older two could safely play on a playground and you wouldn't have to be hovering. And then you just had a, right. a baby and a toddler. The baby, right. But the baby I, and the toddler. It's like, that's as nerve wracking to me as the getting there is the being there with four, four children. But. Yeah, I actually think it worked out pretty well because the older ones would play with Will, who was not a very, he wasn't like a fearless toddler. He was pretty good about yeah. following the rules and he would follow them around. And then I would just sit with Owen in the stroller. He yeah. was usually asleep by that point. You know, it was fine. Like yeah. it wasn't, it was not great, but it was okay. <laughs> you know, I love that. And also having a baby made it like I had the perfect excuse not to push the swings or <laughs> yes, do anything. Which we know that so, you do not enjoy. Nice. I do not. Um, I had a similar stroller just for the record a few years after that. And it was never, I never loved my double stroller. And I, I went kind of cheap on it and it was so big and so heavy. And yeah, it just, it was never, never pleasant. I always tried to figure out something else. Like who can I wear or who can I like, how else can we configure this? So I don't have to use the double stroller, but I had, um, I had a one that I was ogling for a long time and it was the one that's like a really tight jogger. And it's very, I think it was six or $700. I just wasn't going to spend that much money, but it's the one where like the one baby almost like is under Mm -hmm. the bigger baby's like under the bigger kid. And I feel like the name was like two men's names. I don't know, like Al yeah, and Phil Steve and Ted Brand. or something. It's Phil like and Ed Ted. and Phil. It is. It's not Phil and Ted's excellent adventure, but I, my friend Joy, who was on our homeschooling yeah. episode, um, Joy had that stroller and she has like 11 okay. million kids now. So she should yeah, know and her right, strollers. It's Phil and Ted, not, yeah. I was thinking, St- you know, Steve and Gary, but I mean, it was, yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh man, why can't I have that stroller? But by the time I finally thought maybe it's worth getting, like the moment had passed. Yep. That's so funny. And that's same with me. Everyone was getting the side by side double bob, which was also like seven or eight hundred dollars. And it's a jogger. And I just remember thinking, I don't jog like I don't need I have no need for this. So let's just get the babies from A to B. Okay. well, the last one I'll do before we take a break is also slightly older. um, And that is something that happened in kindergarten and first grade with my oldest. And that is, well, I'll say the first time, but really it was a series of firsts. The first calls from the school office or the school nurse that your kid is in the office for some reason. And I say a series for two reasons. One, we were at a small charter school in Arizona for kinder. And then we were at a big, big public school here in Orange County for first. And we kind of had, so I kind of had to like go through it twice, but First of all, I'm kind of anxious anyway. So seeing the school's phone number pop up on my phone just felt like, oh my gosh, like everything's on fire. Like what's, you know, the worst I imagine the worst. And then once I realized that it wasn't the worst, there's just this weird, like often it was my kid went to the office with a tummy ache or like, you know, Mm. she skinned her knee and then they, I don't know why, but they call home and 
there's like nothing for me to do except decide if I need to go get my kid. And a few times in first grade, I did go get her. We lived like super close. And um, I was so that year was hard because it was such a big school. You didn't know the school nurse. It wasn't like a friendly lady that everybody knew. It was like a like a stranger calling me with my small child, my six year old is there. And I can't tell. Is it serious? Is it not serious? And we had a few times in first grade where I got her home and realized like literally she just had to poop or like she ran around too much. And I was like, okay. And I think what what I, what, what took me a while to get over was first of all, the initial panic that the school is calling me and something must be terribly wrong. And also like that I could tell my child on the phone, you can go back to class and it'll be okay. And I'll see you at the end of the day. Um, is as much as I'm, I don't usually struggle with that when I'm face to face with my kids, like, you know, drawing a boundary or telling them to work something out on their own. But for some reason, the little voice on the other end of the school line, when you can't right, see them, I, I just felt like I felt kind of helpless. Like and you'd like be I, a terrible mother like, if you yeah. didn't go grab them right away. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like the adult on the other end was no help because they didn't know they didn't know my kid and they didn't know me. And they were just sort of like passing the phone back and forth. And also for the record, five and six year olds do not know how to talk on the telephone. So they're just, right. they're just kind of like, mom. Uh, anyway, I know. so I had a series of first calls home from the school that felt, um, felt like a milestone. And now I see, I see the number and I'm like, oh, it's fine. Someone I like know, whatever. Dropped their I'll take lunch it later. And, the, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, Violet dropped her lunch and it all spilled. So we're wondering if she can have hot lunch. I'm like, yep. Good. Good talking to you. See you later. See it do o'clock. you ever have the thing? Do you ever have the thing where the the school calls and you pick up and it's your kid? Like they're calling from inside the classroom. I, that's um, that has happened. happened. Okay, yeah. The older my kids have gotten, that's happened sometimes, and that's like jarring too. I'm like, why are you? Why are you calling me? <laughs> and it's always because they forgot something. Yeah. Like it's like yeah, and the teacher just b- doesn't bother to send them to the office. Just puts them on the on the horn and they call, or maybe they're doing it from the office. I don't really know, but either way, I don't know the difference until I pick up. It's funny um, that we're not used to talking on the phone with our own children. If you think about I that, know. we talk on the phone to people around our children, or we might put them on the phone with a grandparent or something, but it's a very strange thing to, yeah, to pick up the phone and have to talk to your small child about a tummy ache or a skin knee. Um, so yeah, those were, those felt like elementary school milestones for me. I have to throw out a shout out to our school secretary at the elementary school, which Clara will no longer be attending. I just realized yeah. like that building is done for me. Wow. That's so anticlimactic. Um, but she was all, most of my kids secretary. I think there was the different secretary who was also great when Jacob was in fifth grade, but like everybody else has had the same secretary and she was great about saying the first thing she would say is everything's fine, I love which that. I always appreciated mm-hmm. because it was like, okay, I don't have to get all worked up. And then um, when Clara was in first grade, she went through definitely like a long phase of um, being, you know, air quotes sick and yes. wanting to come home. And I had the same thing for a while. I'm like, okay, then I guess my only option is I come get her like question mark. I don't know. Is this normal? And finally, um, I her name is Janet. It's really hard for me to call school officials by their first name. Yeah. Like that kind of hurts a little bit. But yeah. She would call and say, so Clara is saying she doesn't feel well. (laughs) And so finally she and I had this code and I'd be like, okay, so what are you observing? She's like, you know, I think it would be okay if we just sent her back. Or sometimes she would call me after she'd already sent Clara back. So she would deal with it first. I love that. Send her back and then call me and say, I just want to let you know that Clara was just here. She said her stomach hurt. I know she's been doing that a lot lately. So I told her to go back to class, but that if she wasn't feeling well in 15 minutes, she could come back. And like, she was always fine. 
Like hardly ever did I get another call. Janet, you're amazing. You deserve <laughs> all of the all of the things. Now I have to give a shout out because Miss Hobie in our front office listens to this podcast. I know that because she always asks me about our sponsors. Um, and she's been a great supporter of the show. So hi, Miss Hobie. But Miss Hobie's great. I think it's great when they know you and know your kids. That feels a lot right. easier. And in the early days, they didn't know me and they didn't they know didn't my kids. They didn't know kid. that yet. But yeah. I will watch Miss Hobie um deal with kids. Like if I'm physically in the office doing something and then I'll watch the kids come in and she's just like so great at like, yeah, you have to parse the, the tummy aches that from the real tummy aches from the, you know, it's like, there's so much, there's so much happening in a, in a front office of a school. There is. And it's like in a recent episode, we talked about that teacher superpower. Um, yes. Where they can both like sympathize and acknowledge the child's discomfort uh-huh. while also blowing them off at the uh-huh. same time. It's like an amazing skill. Um, like they take it just seriously enough, yes. but also no more seriously than they need to. And it's like, you can just tell school secretaries deal with kids in and out, in and out, in yep. and out all day long. So their, their assessment skills yeah. are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like watching what the way we'd be with our kids, but they're doing it with like hundreds of yes. kids. It's, it's absolutely my favorite. I have like a big smile on my face. It's making me realize that in the midst of quarantine, I kind of miss some of these small details about school. So yeah, it made me feel warm and fuzzy. All right, Janet and Hobie. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. 
Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. All right, we're going to move into some mom milestones from the bigger kid years. And just a quick shout out to our listener, Heather, longtime listener, who sent us, she said she was up trying to go to sleep and she had just listened to the um, episode from last week where we kind of started this whole conversation. And she just said her mind was churning and she sent us this great list of a bunch of mom milestones and her kids are getting older too. Like the last time you carry a sleeping kid from the car to their bed and you know, like you shouldn't probably do this anymore. Like you can barely get them up the stairs. And so I love that this is getting everybody else's minds turning. So thank you, Heather, for that sweet email. And we loved your ideas. Um, So Megan, do you want to take us away with your first one? Yes. Okay. So older kids. Um, This is a funny one because it's, it's really pretty recent that I've actually started doing this. Um, And it's the first time you can send your kids to the store for you. So that would require them to have a driver's license or to be within walking distance of a store and be old enough to go there and get stuff. So the funny thing is I've been sending my kids to the store for themselves for a long time. Like the minute they were old enough to be able to like run to the corner store, wherever we lived that happened to have a store nearby. And maybe they want, they're looking for something to do with their friends or their cousins and they want to get a treat. And I'm like, yep, here's five bucks. Go to the store, go to the ice cream shop, whatever. But it didn't occur to me that I could make them do that for me <laughs> until quite recently, like within the last year, um, I would just be sitting around. Then I'd think to myself, I need milk or something. And I'd look over and say, hey, Isaac, yeah, you want to run out and get me some milk? Hey, you want to take your brothers with you and like stay away for a little while? Like there was like all kinds of things I kind of started to realize that I could have done for me. Yeah. Um, And it took me you know, they've been, they've been old enough to do that for quite some time. And it just didn't occur to me that that I could ask or to ask. It's like a, it's like a delegating tactic that I hadn't gotten to yet. Well, you're my inspiration when it comes to delegating in general. And you're basically describing like my life, which is I'm constantly realizing things that my kids could be doing for me that I just, (laughs) it has not occurred to me to ask or to teach them or to, you know, make it a thing. So I love that. I, I went to the store for entertainment a lot as a kid. I mean, I had a little pharmacy I could walk to and a little grocery store. And I don't ever remember being asked. I think my mom might've missed the boat on that one too. Like, or just didn't trust me to remember, like get back with everything. But yeah. Do you remember the old Sesame street where the, the little cartoon where the kid is on his, I think it's a little boy on his way to the corner store to pick up groceries for his mom. And he's, he's um, repeating the list in his head. I can only remember it, a gallon of milk and a, or a quart of milk and a stick of butter. Like that's all I can, oh, maybe I it's a loaf of bread, a gallon of milk and a stick of butter. And he's just repeating it to himself all the way there. And then I think gets distracted yes, and forgets I, or that something. That does sound familiar. That's really funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so endearing to think about a tiny child being sent to the store yeah. because I don't think most of us, you know, that was probably in the sixties or seventies right. that that was made. So, well, yeah. and now no one goes to the store. So exactly. <laughs> no. Now I'm like, Hey, would you go get the delivery off yeah. the front porch? Yeah. Thanks. Hey Isaac, could you order me a delivery? Yeah. Um, that's funny. Okay. Well, mine is more recent for me and I think I've talked about it before, but a huge milestone in parenting is when not one, not two, but all of your children can shower themselves or bathe themselves completely mm-hmm. independently. And I, for some reason it never felt like a milestone when it was just one of them. First of all, my yeah. oldest was really late. She was like nine 
when she didn't really need some kind of hands-on help. And then, then it was, there was still two more. So I was still involved in bath and shower time. So for the last year or so, we've reached this milestone. Violet just turned seven, but she's fiercely independent in most things. She likes me outside the bathroom door in case like, I don't know, she likes to put her hair up in a towel afterwards. And so I'm always Mm. summoned in right after, but yet just yesterday, sometime this week, I was downstairs and I didn't want to stop doing what I was doing. And I was like, can you just, can you just do it completely on your own? Like, you don't really need me. You just like to have me right outside the door. Right. Um, and she was like, yeah, so we are, we are fully and have been for a while really, um, where everybody can just go shower themselves. And it is, I, I don't know why, because baths are so sweet when they're little, but then like, I don't know. It just takes a lot of time and there's a lot of children yeah. and they have to, we don't even bathe that often in my house, but like, Two or three times a week, you're going through all of this, you know, yes. it takes time. So it felt like a huge milestone to get everybody to that point. And there's a lot of things that have to go with along with that for it to be a burden off of you. Like they have to hang their towel yeah. or else you have to go and do it later or whatever. Um, I'm impressed that Violet can get her hair completely rinsed without needing spot checks. That's something that like I've still sometimes do for Clara because her hair is so thick. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like, Violet's you know, pass is, my hand over her hair and I'm like, uh, yeah, like, nope, <laughs> didn't get it. Um, yep, nope. Violet's is short. It's like, like chin length Bob and it's fine. Yeah. So it's, um, it's not, it's not the most fine. Like it's not like she has no hair, but it's pretty fine. And, and I feel like the soap and water just kind of slips off of it. It doesn't get stuck yeah. in there like it would with Allegra or Clara's hair. So the other thing I remember that has just ended really pretty recently that I was often on call to do when they were like in that nine, 10 year old stage is run in and shut the water off because if they did it themselves, it would be too slow and they'd have cold water. Like oh. I remember that being a thing <laughs> yeah. where kids couldn't figure out how to get the water turned off fast enough. Yes. And then, um, we're, we've been in older houses a lot. So it's often a separate little switch that turns the shower off. Well, it always is. Yeah. Right. So I would, I would tell them, turn the shower off first yeah. and then turn the water. It was like they had to learn that. Yeah. And it took longer than I would think. Or the opposite <laughs> would be like, Violet does still like me to get the temperature right at the beginning. Like, you know, yeah. to turn all the knobs like where they need to be so that it's the right temperature. Um, so, yeah, there are there are a lot of moving parts, um, which brings me to a question that's not in our outline. But I am still clipping the nails and toenails of <laughs> a, an assortment of my children who are have ages in the double digits or near double digits do like I like how I like how you're keeping that so <laughs> no, ca- like almost all so vague and all, diplomatic. All, I mean okay. almost all of them I, I'm just curious it feels like I don't think they would ever clip their own nails and toenails because I don't think they care so unless yeah. they bit them or mm-hmm. um or like I I corner them and and then they mm-hmm. get so gross and Allegra is 12 she's turning 12 and she actually has beautiful nails. They grow really long and strong. And so I let her keep her nails kind of long. But after a while, I'm like, come on, please. And then yeah. she'll just usually ask me to do it. She'll like, she just, can you do it? Because I'll make them all the same length. And, you know, I might help her paint them. So maybe I've created a codependency, but I'm still waiting on that milestone. I'm trying to think when the last time was, because I feel like up until pretty recently, Clara also has nice, long, strong nails. And I don't think she's in the habit of clipping them herself terribly often, but she must do it sometimes because I don't remember the last time I had to go, all right, they're starting to look ragged. Yeah. Let's take care of them. So she must just be clipping them. Um, there was one kid in my house. I think I've talked about this. Yes. He but please was do it one again. of the younger boys and it just fell off my radar that I had literally never clipped his toenails. It had been so long. And I thought, what's happening? They're short. And I came in the room and caught him chewing his own toenails off. And that's how I found out <laughs> that that's how... And 
honestly, at the time it was Owen. So he was the fourth <laughs> in a long line of kids. And like, I was just overwhelmed. So I didn't, I, I didn't notice. And then I didn't want to rock the boat and be like, why am I not clipping your toenails? So I would yell at him and be like, that's disgusting and get your feet out of your mouth. And also you're going to break your tooth because his toenails were really thick, but that is yeah. so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, Violet bit her nails pretty like habitually as like, you know, a habit until, yeah. but then her teeth, when they started getting loose and falling out, she literally couldn't, which was she great. Do it anymore. And now she's yep. got the big center adult chompers coming in and I'm already, I'm, I'm sure she's going to be a nail biter, not a toenail biter so far, but um, so far. So yeah, you I really know. have never had to. And even when she stopped biting him, she picks them. So I've never had to cut her nails. This, this really, this conversation went off the rails. It's but. really going off the rails. So I have one more <laughs> funny story to share. And that was when I took um, another of the boys, not Owen, because he was taking care of them himself. <laughs> um, I took him shoe shopping and oh they God. put the, they didn't take their socks off. Thank goodness. Okay. But they put their feet in the shoe <laughs> and I'm feeling around for their toe. You know, like yes. the mom thing where you're like squishing the front of the shoe. And yes. I'm like, what in the world? How are your toes so long and so hard? And then I just looked at this kid and said, when was the last time you clipped your toe? And this kid was old enough. Like yeah. this was, yeah. there was no excuse for this and they couldn't say. And I was like, well, I can't buy you shoes because I think your toenails are so long. They're literally changing the like, size, the of, your size of your feet, oh your shoe gosh. size. So now we have to go home and you have to clip your toenails. And now it's an ordeal because his toenails are like made of diamond, right? <laughs> So it's like, there's no getting them off. You have to have one of those things like a diamond cutter uses, yes. right? Like oh a jeweler. Gosh. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah. It's occurring to me that in California, we are barefoot a lot. So I, yeah. I'm privy to them. And also my older two do Taekwondo as their sport and they do that barefoot. Mm-hmm. And so there have been times where I'm like, oh my gosh, like not only am I tired of looking at these, but like you in your Taekwondo class, like other people see your feet. Like this is gotta, yes. we've got to get this under control. I just think for all of my kids, there was this phase right when they started showering for themselves that you start losing track because when you're the one giving them baths, like you have your routine and the hair gets clean and the, you know, and the shoot, the nails get checked and all that happens. And then at some point they sort of take over everything. And that's when things start to happen. Like their hair is not that you find out they've been using conditioner uh uh, twice, not shampoo and conditioner or like that they haven't been getting soap out or like that they smell bad or whatever. So it's there's definitely an adjustment there. Yes. That's so funny. Oh, um, I think okay, it's your turn. So my turn. Yes. Um, that was definitely a derail, but a fun <laughs> one. So, <laughs> um, another one for me was the first time I was able to leave all the kids at home together. So nice. of course, Clara was the youngest, so she would have been more in that little kid category. But the reason I could do it is that Jacob was like 14, 15, 16. I want to say she was, you know, like three, four, five, like maybe on the older end of three when we tried it for the first time and then it went really well. So then it was kind of became like, wow, we can do this kind of whenever we want. And it might be me running the grocery store when they, when she was littler, but then as they got older, like the old kids could act as the babysitters. And I remember, um, if John and I wanted to go to dinner, for example, like we would have this, this whole like system of, kind of barking out instructions like this kid's in charge of this. We would like, we would give kids certain roles that Mm -hmm. they were most like, I don't know, prepared or suited for. And one would be like the overseer and he'd be the one who would make sure everybody got to bed on time. And like, uh, just, I remember the preparations and how kind of fun it was for us to be like, just drill sergeanting and then walk out the door and be gone for two hours. That was, That, um, that was a big, big milestone after for so long, not being able to ever do that. That is amazing. We're not quite there. I'm, cu- I'm curious. I know Jacob and Clara were, are really close, right? Like that was yeah. a good, 
So was he sort of the one on, because it would be the littlest that you'd want to make sure that like, you know, nothing happened. So was Jacob on Clara? Was that usually the system? Actually, William was more typically on Clara um, because he was just like, Jacob was a good overseer. Like he'd be the one who would kind of report back how things went and kind of meddle with everyone a little bit. But Will was good at just like, like task mastering and Mm -hmm. making things happen. So it would be just as likely to be Will as it would Jacob. Isaac was rarely in that job, in that position because he would just lose track of time and have no idea what was going on. (laughs) Did anything, did anything like remotely bad ever happen? Was there ever a frantic call or like coming home? One time the dog's, the dog got its the end of its tail chopped off in the door and <laughs> you're like, okay, that's no, that's bad. actually happened in my family, but it wasn't because there were no adults present. So I'm fully familiar with okay, what, what so there's several pet related things. There's several pet related things. I don't think there are things that would have been different if I'd been there. Right. I just think that, that it would have played out differently. Um, at one point, I think Owen like smashed his face into something and his, he lost a tooth kind of forcibly, like it was wiggly, but not really ready to come out. And so someone, I think it was Jacob, texted me a picture of Owen with blood all over his face and hands. And I had like a moment of panic. And then I texted back and said, but is he okay though? And he's like, oh yeah, he's fine. I just wanted to send you that picture. So that one was kind of funny, but like I had that moment of, oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was five minutes away. Like downtown is so close. I could come back. The other time um, someone was letting Moxie in or out. I don't remember which one. And they slammed the door on her tail and they didn't say anything about it because I don't think they realized what had happened. Yeah. And so when John and I came home, it was after dark, we turned on the kitchen lights (laughs) and there's blood everywhere because she continued to wag her tail all over the kitchen. And then we found like a tiny little like (gasps) lump of tail. tail? Yeah, because it was like the puffy. It was like the puff, the tuft of fur at the end. And then just the tiniest little bit of tail on it. Right. But like she was by that time, she was better. I think she must have chewed on a little bit and like, I don't know, but like the kitchen looked like. A crime scene. And then um, Scotty Cheese Hands was also eaten. Oh, that was that was, I was on, not home. on your lack of watch. Also a You're pet not, related. Oh, it that would was have the been hamster. Completely the same because who don't yeah, know. the hamster, Scotty Cheese Hands, um, was our precious, precious hamster. And he was unfortunately tangled with the dog. And what happened was I was there when Claire was playing with him. Um, and then, cause I never let her take him out when I wasn't at home. I just felt like there yeah. were so many ways I could go wrong. The older boys sometimes would, they'd put him, they would put Scotty. He was such an adorable little guy in their pockets and carry him around for hours. And he would just sleep in their pocket. Yeah. But Claire was still pretty little, like seven. Maybe. Yeah. So she, um, had taken him out and then I said, okay, I'm leaving. And I wasn't even gone very long. And in fact, I was picking up Isaac from driver's ed. So I was only gone for just as long as it took to drive across town. Right. But, um, Clara, I, I said, okay, put him back. So Clara put him back and didn't, I don't think she latched the touch, the oh, top of the cage well yeah. enough. It looked shut, but it wasn't completely down. And, you know, the theory is the legend of Scotty Cheese Hands <laughs> is that he tried to make an escape and broke his leg on the way down and then couldn't drag himself away from the dog fast enough. I think that the dog just got him because yeah. she's. Yeah, a she's a, yeah, she, she's a pointer. Yeah, or a, yeah. She wants to get critters. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. So yes, to answer your question, some bad stuff went down for sure. But everyone survived. But everyone, well, not Scotty, but everybody else survived. <laughs> everybody except Scotty Cheese Hand survived. And Moxie did regrow the end of her tail first. So that is no so hard, funny. No <laughs> I feel like we are close. We're close to leaving them all three. For me, it's more of a relationship issue with 
Yes. The most defiant one. I mean, she's seven. You were leaving Claire when she right. was three or four, but she had four older brothers and she was just, she was sweet. not, she yeah. was just, she was sweet and would go along with whatever. Yeah. That made a big difference. Yeah. yeah for yeah. sure. But we could, I mean, we totally could. It just hasn't come up. So my next one is just recently. And that is the first time you have a kid who routinely stays up later than you do. Meaning like I'm going to bed, my husband's going to bed and the light is still on in Allegra's room. And now, now Sarah, we have to, we have to set up the premise that in your house, it's not hard to do. No, that's not hard to do. You go to bed super early, right? I, I mean, I usually am lights out between nine 30 and 10. Um, oh, that's very reasonable. That's yeah. very respectable. Yeah, I can't. Okay. I think why I have the reputation is if I'm sleep deprived or if something else is going on, I can easily go to bed earlier than that. And like, I have no problem and no, no shame. But no, on an average night, um, it's like 945 um, when okay. I shut my eyes. Um, and of course, we're recording this during pandemic land, which means my kids don't have to wake up for school. And this would happen in the summer or on school breaks anyway. Yeah. But um, I think... I've stopped like telling her she has to go to bed at a certain time because it hasn't been a problem. She's not staying up till midnight or anything, but she stays up till somewhere between nine 30 and 10 30. So it just depends. Some nights she might be first, her light goes off. We can kind of see under her door from our room so I can tell. Um, but it's just kind of funny. It's funny to think that one of my kids is awake in the house doing their own thing and I'm going to sleep. So that it, feels like it a, is milestone. a very adult feeling like an adult kids feeling. I mean. Yeah. So uh, my last one is, and this feels silly and like a shameful mom thing, but that's okay. I'm going to own it. It's the first time I taught a kid to ride a bike. And the first kid I taught to ride a bike was my last kid. So I was late learning to ride a bike. And I remember having a lot of anxiety and nervousness around it. Um, And so the boys, unless I'm misremembering, I don't believe I actually was there when any of them took their first real like, independent ride because I think they got really frustrated with me Mm -hmm. because I would become impatient because the whole thing made me anxious, like being so close to the wheels and not really knowing when to let go. And then having the kid be like, ah, you know, and one time William, I like drove him right into a fence (laughs) because I thought he was ready and I let go and he like went right into a fence in front of my house. And then I felt really bad. And so I would either pass the buck like to an uncle or their dad, mm-hmm. or they would teach each other, or it was like they finally were so old they would just get on the bike and yeah. ride it and yeah. be like, "Okay, my feet touch the ground now." Yeah. So with Clara, she was she learned on my watch, and it like I had to teach myself to teach her how to ride a bike. Yeah, it's the only way I can describe it. And she was pretty. It was pretty late, and she was nine, but like it felt amazing. Yeah, like, I felt like I had learned all over again, like so much pride. I mean, okay. So this is, you're speaking to my heart right now because we have just been doing this. So all of my kids have been on the later end, like seven, seven or older. I mean, I see kids in my neighborhood riding bikes without training wheels at like two and a half, three. It's crazy. I don't, and there's all these balance bikes now. And so more power to all of you, but my kids have been six, seven or eight in that range. Um, and I don't think I was as hands-on with the first two either. I was usually around like cheering, but I was not the one running and letting go either with Allegra or Reed. And then with Violet, I really was. And during this quarantine time, we just practiced and practiced and practiced. And then now she's just completely confident. And it's just, there's something so fun about seeing a kid mm-hmm. master that skill, whether they're three or seven or nine. Um, so that's really fun. And it is as it is not an easy thing to teach as a parent. So I can see why that would feel like a milestone because there's so much it trust. Feels, there's so much emotion. Yes. The stakes are relatively high. Like 
They could yeah. get, I mean, they're not going to die if they're wearing a good helmet, but they could get all banged up on your watch. So it's stressful. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it is something like remembering how hard it was for me to learn and how many times like banged my, my ankles on the pedals and just like all those little wounds that yeah. you get from riding a bike. It's like some, and I love riding a bike now. And I, and I did as a kid once I learned, but now it, it was, it's like, I fear like I'm going to hurt myself and them at the same time, yeah. or we're going to end. It's like this heavy thing. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you feel like you should just instinctively know how to teach them. And there's nothing instinctive about it. Like yeah. the things that my instincts were telling me to do were often not the right thing, especially depending on how much anxiety the kid had around it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and one thing we realized is the being able to balance and pedal feels so good. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we're here. But stopping, starting and turning mm-hmm. kind of take a while to get click. I felt like some of our most tense teaching moments were actually when she was fine once she was going, but she was still having trouble getting started because she right. was kind of like she didn't want to be helped anymore because we'd already been working for a while trying to master just the going and then the getting started. So she'd try and do it by herself and then she'd get mad at me and then she didn't want me there and then she did. And so, yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. And I have been it doing it. Um, <laughs> well, my last one, I put it in the big kid department, but it actually happened for me the first time when I still had a toddler. So I don't know why it's here, but it is. And that is the first broken bone. Mm. And um, my first broken bone was my third kid. And and this is this is a technically a kid milestone. It's the kid's first bro- broken bone, but it's, it's such a specific experience, x-rays and casts and yeah. dealing with casts and getting the cast off, um, that it is, it just felt, it feels like a mom milestone. Like it was, it was a first for me. So the, it, we had back-to-back summers with broken bones. Violet broke her elbow when she was two and a half. So I had like a two mm. and a half, a five and a seven-year-old. I Ruby think. did the same thing. And I remember how, what a bummer that was. It was like, really yeah. hard. And it was um, it like, well, if you've ever listened to our mom fails episode where I talk about going to urgent care and having a doctor try the dislocated nursemaid's elbow mm-hmm. maneuver mm-hmm. on my two-year-old, even though we told him it definitely wasn't dislocated and he tried it anyway. And then later we knew that it was broken. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that story. Um, she did fine in a cast and then the following summer Reed broke his arm. And I think it just felt like a mom milestone. Cause it was something I had seen other families go through. And I, up until that point, I didn't have terribly physically adventurous kids until the third one. And so I kind of felt like I had, not missed out, missed out is the wrong word, but I had lots of friends who'd gone through broken bones, this and, you know, falls and x-rays and all that. And we'd never even been to the ER for anything like that. None mm. of my kids had had a bad fall or stitches. Like nobody had had anything like that. So I kind of felt like I came to it late and then we had it two summers in a row. And, um, it's just not that fun. I will tell you like casts are not fun itchy casts. Uh, both of them was in the summer. So when we should have been in the pool and at the beach, um, and yeah, even just something like sitting in the waiting room, I remember at not the urgent care, because in both cases, they got their first x-ray at urgent care. And then we followed up at the orthopedist, you know, a couple of days later and, or whenever they were open and just sitting in the waiting room at the orthopedic doctor's office and just seeing all of the, you know, you've got your trampoline yeah. injuries and you've got your sports yes, injuries. Yes. And yeah. So even just looking around that waiting room, it was like, I felt like I was in a new club. I was in the club <laughs> of people whose children break bones. I love it. You are in a club that I am not in. None of my kids have ever broken a bone. Um, although most of them have broken their faces at 
some point. I don't know if my kids are just top heavy <laughs> or what, but like they've two of them have required stitches. Okay. Clara, when she was quite little, um, she was bouncing and slipped and smashed her chin on the ground. It was Ow. we were leaving really early in the morning for a flight, too. So it was like one of those like we got to get her in now. Yeah. And hope that this can and then grandma's coming in the morning, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then uh, oh, and, and Isaac smashed his face open on a granite countertop oh. and needed stitches. And the rest of them have all had facial wounds of one kind or another, like that seem like they should have been much worse than they were, yes. you know, like we've had like, a lot of the yeah. ones that, that feel very dramatic when they happen and then do not end up requiring medical attention. Like, you know, like rug burn, you know, like a scrape to yeah. the face or a bump on the forehead, but none that have required stitches. So we've actually never had stitches, but we've had broken bones. So can I just tell you something that I think is going to make you cringe? Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say two sentences, two statements, and then, you can do the math. Okay. Um, my sister used to have a metal pencil sharpener shaped like the Eiffel Tower. Uh-huh. And Jacob was running with uh-huh. it in his hand. Oh. I'll just put those two sentences right there. Oh, my gosh. He does still have both eyeballs, which is amazing. But Oh, my I, gosh. I, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry to do that to you. I, I feel like everyone listening right now. I just want to reach out and catch him. And later I was like, who has a pencil sharpener shaped like the Eiffel Tower that's made of metal in oh a house gosh. with children to begin with? I kind of did give her a hard time about that. So, so did it impale <sighs> his head? It skirted his eye socket <sighs> and took a hunk of like flesh off that's still like you can see the scar right next to his eye. Oh, like my right on his gosh. Temple. I know when I look at that now, I'm like, you know, dude, one inch. Yeah. One inch the other direction. Yeah. yeah. You'd only have one eye. Oof. So. Close one. They all yeah. survived. Um, yep. <laughs> well, this has been really fun. I feel like we should open it up to all of you listening. You can let us know your mom milestones. A great place to do that is in the Facebook group that we have for this podcast. We'll link that up in the show notes or by shooting us an email at hello at the So we would love to hear from you. And just another thanks to all those of you who said you wanted this to become a full episode because We'll be honest right now, coming up with content ideas is um, interesting. Yeah, it's been it's been a little tricky. We're a little spacey and and we don't know necessarily what everyone wants to hear. So we felt like this was such an easy one and I've had a lot of fun. That is it for today. And if you haven't, check out our series called Pandemic Perspectives. It's dropping on Sundays this spring and you'll hear stories of all kinds of different moms and families whose lives are affected in different ways by what's going on in the world right now. So we hope you will all check that out and we will talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. 
Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.